At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, we believe theological education should be confessional. Because of our desire to identify with what Christ has done in His Church throughout the centuries, we fully adhere to the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. This standard keeps us accountable and preserves us from novelty. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We are on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Caleb Evans lived during the emergent strength of the Age of Reason, or as it's often called, the Enlightenment. It was an intellectual movement that challenged long-held scientific, governmental, legal, and religious beliefs through the use of reason and empirical discovery. Its focus was on the natural world, as understood without the helps of divine revelation, and so it produced philosophical and religious results contrary to Orthodox Christianity. Baptist historian Norman Moon, in his short biography of Caleb Evans, sets the context. The 18th century was a time of intellectual and political ferment. The growth of scientific knowledge in astronomy and medicine, and in the explorations of men like Captain Cook, who set foot in Australia in 1770, the same year the Bristol Education Society was born, continued to expand the horizons of men's minds. It is interesting to think of some of the books that influenced Caleb Evans's generation. Christianity Not Mysterious by Matthew Tyndall, the so-called Bible of Deism, appeared seven years before Caleb's birth. Butler's Analogy was published just before his birth. When Caleb was 20, David Hume wrote his Natural History of Religion. Edward Gibbon's Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire appeared in 1776, as did Tom Paine's Common Sense, which stimulated radical politics in the American Revolution. In the year of Caleb's death, Paine's Rights of Man defended the principles of the French Revolution. Evans responded to all this not by changing his fundamental commitment to Scripture as the Word of God, but by challenging himself to learn about and respond to these worldly philosophies. One avenue of response was the pulpit, another was the pen, and at times they were combined. And so his earliest known publication is entitled, the Scripture Doctrine of the Deity of the Son of God and Holy Spirit. This was based on two sermons he preached in Bristol at age 27. It served to refute Arian and Socinian views. In 1773, he published Address to the Serious and Candid Professors of Christianity. In it, he argued against the views of Joseph Priestley, a prominent English scientist and philosopher who tried to marry Enlightenment rationalism with Christianity. 
as a Socinian, Priestley was one of the founders of Unitarianism in England. In his main theological work, interestingly named The Institutes of Natural and Revealed Religion, he argued that the only acceptable religious truths were those that matched rationality and human experience. This, of course, led him into numerous heresies, and these Evans politely and strongly answered in this, his address. Evans' commitment to orthodoxy continued his entire life. In 1789, just two years before his death, he published four sermons preached from 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24. The book was entitled Christ Crucified or the Scripture Doctrine of the Atonement, briefly illustrated and defended. Now, in plain language that nonetheless displays his considerable learning, Evans defended the historic Reformed and Baptist views, and those are his words, regarding the deity of Christ and his efficacious atonement. It was a second answer to Priestley and others he specifically referred to, including Socinians, Arians, Jews, philosophers, and atheists. He is amazingly polite when he refers to his opponents, and so he reminds us that a Christian can utterly disagree with a person while still treating them with civility. He mentions in the introduction that he preached these sermons because the doctrine of the atonement was, quote, opposed and vilified in the day. But his tone in answering is a model for us all. Christ crucified consists of three parts. First, he explains the apostolic doctrine of the atonement, which he calls the grand distinguishing doctrine of the New Testament. It is the truth that Christ died for the sins of his people by being a sin offering for them. In other words, he believed in substitutionary curse-bearing. Contrary to his opponents, he didn't believe that Christ died simply because sinners killed him, but because it was God's plan. He then defends the extent of the atonement as being for the Church of Christ, Next, he sets out the truth of the full deity of Jesus Christ. He calls him true God and man and preexistent as the Son of God. He closes this section by appealing to his readers that, quote, Christ crucified is the solution to all men's needs. This direct call to them is characteristic of his preaching and writing. Second, Evans faces the opposition made to the doctrine of the atonement. Here he expounds the two basic types of rejection, to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. And so he affirms that pride and ignorance always oppose the gospel, which he defines as the vicarious merits and expiating death of the Lord Jesus Christ and also the salvation by merits of another. Third, Evans expounds the true nature and excellency of this doctrine. By this he means that to all the called, Christ is the power and wisdom of God. Then he goes on to give advice to preachers that is timeless. He urges that we have, quote, no liberty 
to adapt our doctrine to the taste of carnal hearts to whom it is addressed. Notice he is teaching that sinners are addressed by the gospel with a duty to respond. In fact, in this section, he actually uses the language famously associated with Andrew Fuller. He says, quote, the gospel is worthy of all acceptation. He also teaches that the gospel is unchanging. Indeed, he says there is no change in the gospel. It should change men. And so he makes a final evangelical plea for men to be saved through faith in the atoning death of Jesus Christ. In all this, he's an excellent example for particular Baptists today. As I close this episode, let me indulge in a bit of antiquarian bibliolatry. I have an original copy of Christ Crucified from 1789. According to the title page, the book was originally sold for two shillings, sewed. That means the various parts of the book were gathered together and sewn through with six set of stitches. And this is the current condition. It has never been bound in leather or hardboard. Written diagonally across the title page in three lines is the following signature and information. Gethin Davies, The College, Langolan. Now, what does that refer to? Well, here's the biographical information on Gethin Davies from Wikipedia. Davies was a Welsh Baptist minister and college principal. He was born in 1846 in Aberdulay. His parents were Joseph and Catherine Davies of Glamorganshire. Gethin attended Havid British School and served a five-year pupil-teacher apprenticeship there. In 1864, so just at the age of 18, he moved to study at Gregg House Academy, Swansea, and from there, at age 20, to Bristol Baptist College. In 1872, he was appointed to the post of classical tutor at Langolan Baptist College, and there he devoted himself to the task of assisting the weaker churches by preaching, and he also strengthened the position of the Baptist denomination in North Wales. He was instrumental in the relocation of the Baptist College from Langolan to Bangor, effected in 1892. But he died in London in 1896, aged 49, of cancer. Now, Mr. Davies spent 20 years at the Baptist College when it was at Langolan. Since his previous studies were done at the Baptist College in Bristol, this may be where he obtained this book. I'm honored to temporarily own his copy. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. (laughs) 